Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. I just, I don't, for the longest time, I didn't understand how to increase in Christ. Does anybody remember that like baby stage of being saved? You're like, you're, you're, you're passionate. Your zeal's there. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're all in but you don't have a clue what you're doing. You as lost as a ball in high weeds, as my country grandfather would say. Like, you just don't know. You're like, they said, read this book, but I don't know what this book's even talking about. If you're like me, you got it in KJV, and you really don't know what it's talking about because I don't speak KJV. You know, I failed Romeo and Juliet in high school. You know, I don't speak Shakespearean. Speakets and stinkets and all that whatever. It's, you know... Give me some, give me some, you know, some good vernacular modern day terminology. So we, we want to increase because we want the influence, right? Like I don't want to go to a friend and try to tell them about Christ. And they're just like, yeah, that didn't affect me at all. I don't got a clue what you're talking about. You didn't affect me. It's not influencing me. Like I, I'm the person I like results. Like, I, I don't know if y'all know this. I'm a gamer. And I'm a completionist gamer. I found out the other day that apparently I'm somewhere on the spectrum for this. Because like, I, if I, maybe I can bring this some old school to y'all. When I played Mario, like I got to get every coin in the level. It ain't good enough just to beat it. Like I got to get it all. That's my personality. Like that's me when I'm doing those things. So when I'm in Christ, I'm like, hold on. No, no, no. I don't need to just get the concept. I got to understand the whole process. I need the, like the seven ways you got to this. And then I need to like have 16 different things that confirm it. And it can get me in trouble sometimes with that too. Because God's like, I told you to step. And I'm like, I'm getting there, God. Hold on. I need six more confirmations. You know what I'm saying? Because I want influence. I want to be able to have that influence. I want, when I say something, I want you to know that I believe it. That's why I'm not a good salesman. I've tried sales. And if your product don't sell itself, I ain't going to sell it for you. Come on. I tried doing that little Cutco knives thing or whatever they called it, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I did the demonstrations. If they don't want to buy it, I'm not convincing them. Like, don't ask me to be a car salesman. My stepbrother's a car salesman. He makes a lot of money doing it. And I'm like, man, you suck. Okay. If we could say that from the stage, because he's like, yeah, I made $3,000 commission check last week. And I'm like, good for you. I want to be happy for you in Christ, you know, but, but that's just him because we want to make the impact, right? Like, I don't want to just have a mamsy pamsy influence and a little bit of influence to where I'm like, yeah, I, I think I got like, I brushed them a little bit off. Like, I want to get the power tools out on somebody. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you're coming to Jesus. Hold on, I'm going to carve off all that sin. We're going to get you right. Like, that's what I want to do. And y'all are like, okay, I don't know where you're going with this, Pastor Wesley. We're talking about Acts, and I am completely lost. So let's jump in there, and, and you, maybe you'll see where I'm trying to get here, okay? <clears throat> so we've been talking about everyday Acts, and here's the four parts of that. I don't know if y'all know this. Adoration, yeah. confession, last week, thanksgiving, and now we're going to talk about supplication. Like, I'm not a very good adoration person. I like to hear adoration, but don't ask me to dish it back out. My wife would be like, you didn't even compliment my outfit today. I spent 45 minutes getting ready and an hour doing my hair, and I'm like, looks like clothes. 
you know? I know it's the wrong answer. You don't have to tell me it's the wrong answer, but I know that I'm not good at doing it, right? But I'm usually really good at it with my father in heaven. Like, there's things in my testimony, like, I can't even tell you. Because you would be like, man, are you serious? I'm serious. Like, when it talks about God brought me out of the miry clay and set me, he didn't just do that. He cleans me off of all that junk. Like, I have to give him the praise, the honor. And I grew up in a Christian household. It wasn't like I grew up in a household that was a bunch of sinners. But we knew how to get in sin. Like, we put the face on for church. Raise my hands, sing songs, do the little dance, wave the flags at the time, play my tambourine. It's a good little choir boy or whatever. But we was all up in, you know, the rest of the week. Heck, we was hanging out with the pastor's kids doing it. What you talking about? Because everybody knows they're the worst. Sorry, sorry, boys. You know, it shouldn't be that way, though, right? Like we want our family to be influenced and impacted. So we adore God. Okay, we adore him with all that we have. So we're going to run through kind of a, if y'all want to find this in your Bibles, this is going to be our key text for today. And when you find it, you'll know what it is. If you don't already know what this verse is, you'll be like, ah, I see where he's going with this. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're smarter than me. I'm not sure. But it's Matthew 6, 9 through 13. So adoration, quick little study for you, review. You know, I'm, I, like, I like reviews. I'm a great short-term learner. When I was in school, I'd be like, give me the test. We're good to go. Next week, I don't remember any of it. It's like, yep, I learned it for the test. I got the A. Don't ask me again, okay? So adoration. That Greek we learn, and I'm not even gonna, I butcher Greek words. So if I get them wrong, some other great philosopher and theologian can correct me later. Proskuneo says, to revere, to bow before, to kiss the hand. I don't kiss anybody's hand. Anybody go around kissing people's hands? No. You know? I kiss my wife. That's about it. I ain't doing that Italian stuff, cheek to cheek on people, you know, whatever. Okay, like it's just weird to me. That's culture difference. I'll shake your hand, give you a side hug. You know, if I really like you and I really feel comfortable around you, I might give you a full hug. I'm still working on that. Okay, if you've been in rally, I've told people that before. It's just, it's, it's just not natural for me. Okay, but to revere, to bow before, really show reverence, right? Like we, we really honor that person. Then we learn intimacy. It affects our adoration. Intimacy. It says, as my intimacy with the Father increases, so does my adoration of him. I'm only really intimate with one person in this world. Like, that's the most intimate person I have in my life. That's my best friend. That's my, like, my end all, be all, my ride or die. Like, we got, we doing it. Yeah, that's good. Like, don't my, my kids better not ask something. Because I'm be like, what'd your mama say? <laughs> and if I found out later that you convinced me and lied about what she said, you in trouble. Because we're intimate. We want to be as one flesh. We want to be in agreement. We want to be completely all in with each other. And that's the way we're supposed to be with God the Father. Our intimacy begins to increase so much. Like, there's things about my wife when we first got married that I did not realize that she does really well, that I don't do very well. There's things that she knows that I'm like, I used to, you know, young, stupid, married, okay? I'm always right. You know? Now that's not very true. 
right? Now it's like 90-10. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I'm, I'm losing all my brownie points. I have to get them back with Christmas presents. You know? But I adore her in certain ways. Like, I don't worship the ground that she walks on, right? Because that's reserved for something higher. But I do adore her in a way like she has a special place. Yeah. Like, I don't like Hollywood version of TV. And this is what I mean by that. Oh, you did something to my kid? Especially when they're talking about their husband. Maybe you've got it jacked up from what the biblical version is. But she's my spouse. My kids come after her. It's biblical. I married her. I decided to come in covenant relationship with her, to have intimacy. So I adore her. And my kids are not going to break that up. I'm not going to side with them to the point to where it causes a division between me and her. That's a side, you, that's a side tweetable. You can tweet that one later. Yeah. Does anybody even do tweet, Twitter anymore? Or X, whatever it's called now. I don't even know. I'm, I'm not hip with the kids anymore, apparently. But here's the six things we learned that adoration does. It invites God into your life. We're not going to jump into all these like detail to detail because we got to get to supplication. It sets God up as my priority. It reminds me of who God is and what he can do. It humbles me and positions me for grace. Breaks chains and open doors. And then it magnifies my provider instead of my problem. Think about that one in the the respect of supplication though. Most supplication, because the simple definition of supplication, it's a request. I'm asking for something. Like, I have, I have a ask, and I'm hoping you can provide it for me. But when we adore God, it's like, I know this, is, this problem is over here, but it doesn't really matter that much anymore. It becomes a lot less more important when I'm focused on Him. Because in the, in the great scheme of things, most of our problems, they're pretty minuscule. Like, do I need another TV in my house? No. Do I need the next gaming system? Or is it a want? Like, don't get me wrong, okay? Like, we live in a time right now where inflation is definitely outpacing rates of pay and different things like that. But here's the thing. Like, if you look generationally, like what my parents had and what my parents' parents had, do we all need a cell phone? And cell phones are, dear Lord, they're expensive. I finally got smart enough that I don't need the newest version of the iPhone every time it comes out. Like, hey, this one in my pocket, it still does the same things that I need it to do. I don't have to try and be Mr. Popularity, right? And so it it stops magnifying my problem or my supposed problem, and it gives him all the glory. Then we talked about confession. So we admit our error or our sin. Like that's our typical go-to terminology of confession. Like I've got some sin in my life, something I didn't do right, and I need to admit it, right? Like I think we all need to go to Jesus Anonymous or something. Whatever group you want to call that. Because we all need to confess things at certain times. But I'm a firm believer, and I've, I've been shouted down in some, some times in this for this reason. I am a firm believer that you can go more than one day without sinning. As you grow in Christ and you mature, you shouldn't have the same problems that you've had. I mean, if Jesus spent a lifetime without sin, and I'm reflecting him, and I'm trying to be more like him, am I going to mess up? Absolutely. 
But I should be able to like, hey, when I first got saved, every 30 seconds, I'm sorry, Lord, you know. But as I matured and matured, like, I don't have to struggle with those anything more. I've built habits that are good now instead of bad. You know, I've, I've grown out of those things. You know, I'm not having to, oh man, I messed up again. So we get, we get rid of those things. We affirm what we believe and what we're going to do differently. Start to confess over yourself the truths that are in the scripture. Here's the thing. Whether you speak the truth or you speak a lie, whichever one you speak is going to happen in your life. You, if, you, if a lie is told over you long enough, you'll begin to believe it as truth. That's why it's really important, parents, what you tell your children. All the kids are in here today. I don't know if y'all noticed. Okay. But like we, we as a family unit, we as parents have an obligation to train our children, to discipline our children, but also to speak life-giving words into their, to confess over them. You know, I love what Alan does about his kids having their little declarations over their lives. That's awesome. That's his thing, though. I'm not going to steal it. Okay. My kids, they just know certain things. Like they, They're like, yep, that's, this is what I am. This is who I am. I'm a mighty man of God. I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a whatever. And as they grow and mature, I begin to confess other things over their life and point out the good in them, the things I see in their life. Okay. Admission restores your integrity. When you confess something, when you admit you've wronged, it's going to restore your integrity, right? Like, I want my integrity. I don't want people to be like, yeah, well, Pastor Wesley, you can't trust him. Don't go to him with something. Let me tell you about what he did to me. I got to have integrity. If you lose your integrity, it's hard to get back. And it affirms and restores your identity, who you are in Christ. It, it, it restores that to you. Okay, I told you we're not staying long on these. Thanksgiving. It's an expression of gratitude, especially unto God. Like, I give him all the thanks. Thank you, Lord. It's different than adoration. Like, adoration is really just realizing who God is. Like, God, you're almighty. God, you're the creator of the world. Alpha and omega. You know, you're adoring him. You're exclaiming who he is. Thanks is more like, let's remember all the things he's done. All the things that I discount so many times. Like, it's so easy for us to forget about things. Take for granted. Like, just being born in the United States of America. Congratulations, you're now a part of the three richest percent of the world. You pulled the lucky lottery ticket. Like, that's all it took. God decided to place you here in such a time as this. And so many times we're just like, oh, woe is me. I don't have. And God's like, do you realize how rich you are? You didn't have to go dig through the dump to find some food. Mm. A readiness to show appreciation and to return to kindness. Looking for those opportunities to just appreciate what you've get, gotten or been given and then return it. Like, when we're talking about supplication, God doesn't give you things just so you can have it. You'll realize when God gives you things, it's because he wants you to have it so you can use it as a blessing for someone else too. That's why I don't have a problem with Christians being rich. I've had friends that are like, I can't believe such and such. They got a million. And I'm like, the Lord decided to bless them. I ain't got a problem with it. Have you read the Bible? There's some rich dudes in there. Abraham? Yeah. Ooh, he had a lot of money. 
He had a lot of cattle or whatever, donkeys, whatever was the thing at the time, okay? He had it. But I don't know if I want to be Abraham either. Because the Lord comes to me and says, sacrifice Rowan. I'm going to be like, hold up, Lord. That's a different kind of faith. Especially the first time it's ever been asked. And as far as I know, the only time it's been asked other than the God, the Father himself, sacrificing his son. I think most of us as Christians would fail that one, to be honest. We'd be like, oh, that ain't... If we, if we took that part of the Bible out and all of a sudden God asked us one of that, we'd be like, it's not in the Bible. I can't find it anywhere in there. Guess what? It wasn't written yet. And Abraham still agreed. Y'all see what... That's a whole other side point. Y'all going to get me preaching on something else? I gotta, we got to stay on topic here. We'll never get through here. So on Thanksgiving, okay, my petition should never be louder than my praise. When I first saw Pastor Rife put this on the board, I was like, he's stealing my sermon ideas. That jerk. Look at him. He's getting into supplication while he's on Thanksgiving. Can't believe him. He told me I was preaching. Now he's stealing my ideas. I think, I think he went into my MacBook and he was stealing my answer. What I was, you know. But then I got to thinking, I'm like, well, maybe it's just because we're kind of on the same wavelengths because we've been working together now. And like he knows how this folds in together. And how beautiful is that? Like we give thanks and it should be so much louder than our little petitions over here where we're asking God for stuff. Because that's what supplication is, right? We're asking. So let's, let's dive into supplication here. Let me give you some, some quick definitions. A humble request. Now my kids know this. Don't be coming in making demands. That's not supplication. That's not a humble request. Now, my youngest, he's still cute, so he gets away with it some way. Because this is him. I'm still asleep in the bed if the dog hasn't woke me up. Daddy? Yes, son? You fix me hot chocolate or chocolate milk and cereal right now? It's not really a request. It's more of a demand. You understand? Like, you can hear it in his voice. But I'm like, yes, son, I'll get it for you. Because I, I have a relationship with him, right? Like he's got this, these little hum, humble requests that he'll ask. Little things that he wants. Daddy, can I? And he's the little, we love him. He's the, he, we call him our wild child, but he knows how to wrap you around his little finger. He's got it down to a T. Yeah, look at him, laughing over there. Like, I got him, you know? We love him. We love it when he has his little requests. He has his little things. My mom used to have this saying when we were growing up. She said, you can have anything you want in this world, but you can't have everything. You can make a request. And if it's within the limitations, you can have it. But you're not going to have everything. How about this definition? To plead humbly. Now, I don't like to plead. Don't ask me. Like, there's only one time I think I've been down on my knee and asked for something. And that was when I asked that young lady right there that was beautiful to marry me. I was like, I'll plead and beg. Come on, please. I know you're so much better than me. Come on, just say yes. Once I got a ring on it, you're trapped for life. You ain't getting away. <laughs> got him. Got him. Yeah, you know? 
And so then I had to do the other smart thing as a husband. I got married on a day that I would remember forever, December 7th, okay? Pearl Harbor Day, now I'll never forget it, yep. So, see, I thought these things through. I'll never forget, okay? Matter of fact, our 10-year anniversary is coming up this December. 10 years, married. Thank you. Somehow, by the grace of God, she's put up with me that long. I tried to give her years before that to get out. She wouldn't run, so she must have been the one. So we plead humbly. And I don't, I don't like to look at my prayer request or my supplication that way with God. Like, I don't like to... Do y'all get what I'm saying? Like, as a man, maybe? Maybe, I don't know if it's my, my pride, my something, but I don't like to look at it when I'm praying to God, like, oh, please, God, please. But it's literally one of the definitions of supplication. Like, he's all-powerful. It's up to him. Like, I don't get a choice in the matter. It's not up to me to go, no, I'm going to strong-arm you, God. I'm about to tell you what you're going to do. You've listened here. Like, that, that's come to God that way. I get it. Sometimes there are some times I pray, and it's just kind of not, like, you know, I'm just living real, and God gives me grace. But when we really want something, we're really asking for something, there's a time when we have to really revere him and adore him and, and, and understand our place for him to hear the request. Like, I don't think it's by chance in Scripture that he's the king of kings. Like, I look back at historical kings. If you came before the king and he didn't ask for you, he just gave the signal, you're dead. See you later, alligator. He holds all the power. He holds it all. And he lets us come in. Now, I know Scripture also talks about that we're the children of God and we're co-heirs in Christ, and so we can come boldly before the throne. Like, I get all that. Y'all see how like theology sometimes can be like, man, that's hard to equal that out and rationalize it. Because yes, I do come boldly before, just like my children do. My, my children don't come like into my room cowering like, daddy, don't hit me, you know? Because I don't like to picture God up there with, the, you know, some, this is my atheist friends. Well, God's just mean. He's up there with a magnifying glass waiting for me to screw up so he can burn me like a little ant. Throw a lightning bolt at me. He's, he wants you to request it. He says, I know what you're going to ask before you ever ask it, but please ask. He's like a father going, I've got it right here. Just ask. Just ask. Then there's this one, a heartfelt petition. I really think this one gets like to the true center of what supplication is. A heartfelt petition. There's two Greek words there. And like I said, I am not a Greek theologian, so if I butcher these, my bad. Deasis or deomai. Okay, these are when you find the word supplication in scripture, these are the two different words it uses. It says to ask or implore with passion and a heartfelt desire. With passion. You ever ask for something with passion? Like there's things that I, when I was growing up, like I'm gonna get it. Some of you, it was the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. Still waiting on it, 37 years later. Yeah. Daddy, I need it. Gotta get it. Please, it's on my Christmas list. They're like, make a list. Number one, G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. Number two, G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. Number three, you know, we had to make lists. 
And so I would prioritize them. Number one, circle, circle, star, star, triangle next to it, exclamation mark, highlight it, you know, like that's the one I want. If you fail at this one, I'm never going to love you anymore, parents. I had to ask, but I also knew parameters. Y'all know I grew up poor. Like that's how I found out about certain things. But like we knew, my parents were just straightforward. I was like, hey, you want, you want Christmas presents? This is the budget. Make your list accordingly. You can have anything you want, but you're not going to have everything. You're not going to get everything on the list. And if you ask way out in left field, you're not going to get that either. Now, as we got older, obviously, we got bigger and better and, you know, all those different things. But we had to, we had to really mean it. Like, if my kids come to me and they just want something nonchalant, I ain't giving it to them. Daddy, everybody else has got this. Why can't I have one? Well, I don't care what whoever in your class thinks they are and they have this. They don't really mean it. They're just trying to get what everybody else has. They're not heartfelt. They don't have a passion behind it. Like, I don't want to just buy my kids stuff so they can be thrown in the trash. I got grandparents to buy them that stuff. Just being honest here. I've told my wife before, I'm like, I don't even know why we buy them toys. They got so many, they can't play with them all. I hide them in boxes and bring them back six months later, and they're like, oh, new toys. I'm like, no, you had them for three years. You know? Telling you, it's a secret. Do it. Okay? They'll be like, oh, wow. Or, or another secret, okay? Plan to have a yard sale and take some of their toys. They'll want them back for some reason. I don't know why. I don't understand it. Okay? But that's what they do. So look at this verse in Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Ooh, most of us failed right there. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. A lot of us usually will like to pull that last part out too. Yeah. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. I just, I pray the peace of God. And we're not necessarily using it completely wrong, but a lot of times we just like to pull these little half pieces of scripture out and try and put, our, put all the pressure on it. And God's like, did you not read the whole text? Like, you need to have some prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. And then make your requests made known. And you're going to get peace that passes understanding. Yeah. Like, some of us want to just want to, we want to short circuit. Yeah. Here's another Hollywoodism, okay? If I can call them that. It's probably not a real word. You watch Hallmark movies and whatever, like, you need to, you need to just take a leap of faith. Find that in scripture for me. I'm waiting. Anybody got it? It's that first book of opinions, chapter two. You know, it's not in there. It says the steps of the righteous are ordered. God's not saying, okay, I know you can't see anything at all. Just jump out there. You'll be all right. He's like, all right, hey, look down. You see that right there? Like my parents used to do this to me because I'm colorblind. Okay. They'd be like, walk out in the yard. I don't see anything, daddy. Every kid. 
I don't know why. You tell them to find something, they can't find it. But then like, you leave them by themselves and they can find anything in the world. Things they're not supposed to get into. And you're like, I don't see it, I don't see it. And they're like, three steps forward. One, two, three. Look to your left. Take a step over there. Look straight down at your left toe. Oh, that's what you were talking about. It's a step of faith. God's literally going, okay, here's the next step. Do this. Did you get it? Now, now, do this. We're the children of God. He's going to treat us like children. It's a heck of a lot better than some of the other things he calls us, like sheep. You ever been around sheep? I would rather be a child. I think maybe that's why we took the word kid, you know, from baby goats. Because sometimes we're like them too. I'm headbutt everything, you know. Y'all didn't grow up on a farm around animals, some of you. My parents, but they were weird. We lived in the city and we had farm animals. We still got a pony that we can't get rid of. Should have been, never mind. We'll we'll leave that one alone. She's the meanest thing you've ever seen. She'll kick you in a heartbeat. But we've we've got to get in the right mindset for supplication. You don't just come into a time with God and be like, all right, Lord, here I am. We're doing this prayer thing. And here's my list. You know? If that's what you think prayer is, you got it all wrong. If that's how you think you're supposed to get into supplication, asking requests of God, you got it all wrong. You got to do the other parts first. I don't think it's by accident that someone came up with this clever little acronym. Okay, we didn't create that magically up in the air. Someone else smarter than me created the axe thing. We adore him. Okay, I'm recognizing who you are, God. I'm going to confess things. I'm going to celebrate things. I'm going to confess these things over my life. And I'm going to give you thanksgiving. We got to focus our minds into where we need to be before we get to the supplication part. Because here's what the thing that happens to me. Maybe I'm the only one, okay? But I've got a list. I'm like, here's the things I need to pray about. Here's the things I need to request to God. And I get into a zone or a time of acts and I'm adoring him and confessing, I'm thanking him. And by the time I get to supplication, I've done re- rewritten this list. Because I've realized they don't line up with who my Lord is. They don't line up with what I've just confessed. They don't line up with the thanksgiving and the, the celebrations that I have to celebrate in my life. I'm like, oh, oh, oh I got to go back to number three and change that a little bit. That don't make sense no more. It's like learning in school. My son's telling us about the planets. And we're like, well, my wife goes, well, what about Pluto? And I'm like, hey, they, they don't believe that's a planet anymore. <coughs> Maybe they've changed it back again. You know, it's like we yeah. talk about science and they're like, got to eat three eggs a day. The next do- article next year, got to eat six eggs. The one after that, don't eat eggs at all. They're bad for you. <laughs> I'm like, well, which one is it? Y'all keep telling me to listen to science and they keep changing the rules. That's why I like math. It's always the same. Okay. Always the same. No exceptions. Don't do English. There's 87 exceptions to English. Here's the rule, and let me tell you the 43,000 exceptions. I before E, except for after C. That's why I love God. He doesn't change. Amen. I'm, a, I'm a black and white kind of person most of the time. Like It's, it's either this or this. Don't tell me there's, there's some leeway. Okay? So we, we come to God with this supplication. So go back to that verse, those verses right there. Okay, if you hadn't realized what that 
that is right there. It's the Lord's Prayer. I'll read the version that we probably all grew up kind of hearing, unless you're younger than me. It says, Our Father in heaven. Actually, let me give it. In, in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, there's times when I hear this and people are talking about it and I'm like, oh, that's so old school. Man, I hate when they talk. Like, my mail comes to my house addressed as reverend and I can't stand it. <laughs> to me, that's just old school terminology, you know? And I get, I get the reverence in it. I get all this whatever. And the same thing with this verse. When I hear people say it sometimes, and the glory and the power and the line is the kingdom. You know, they do that whole like deep Southern Baptist God's three syllable voice comes over them all of a sudden. Like we got to change our voice for God to pray. Anybody else get that one? Okay. I didn't know. Maybe God doesn't hear me when I pray in my regular voice. I don't know. Start to wonder. You know, or, or I'll make fun of us. Evangelical Pentecostal Christians, we, we think we need to raise our voice for some reason. God can't hear me. Let me shout it louder or repeat it 12 times. Did you hear me yet? You know, it's funny, but you read the scriptures. I don't really hear Jesus shouting too many times. Just prayed. There you go. We won't step on some toes going any farther on that, but read it from a different version. You know, my day-to-day version here. I usually read New Living Translation, but typically I'll switch up throughout different years what versions I read. It says, pray like this. The disciples are asking, hey, Jesus, how do we pray? Like, we've seen the way John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. But we see you do some stuff that John the Baptist doesn't really like know how to do. Like, I don't have a problem if you're a person of Destiny Church going and watching some other pastors or some other teachings, reading some other books. Now, don't go out there in left field and limbo and start listening to some stuff that's just completely unscriptural and doctrinal, okay? Because you can get there too. But it's good sometimes to hear some outside, right? Oh, okay, maybe that's a different perspective, a little, a little whatever. It says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. They're adoring him. They're recognizing who God is. I mean, I would think Jesus would be like, yeah, I don't have to really do that. I, I am God. I don't know if y'all know this. But he still is like, our Father in heaven, holy are you. You're set apart. You're different. There is no one who is like him. That's what holy means. It means set apart, completely unique and different than everything else. I don't get to call clean what I think is clean. Only he decides. I don't get to call pure what I think is pure or righteous or okay. Or It's up to him. That's why he says you can't just be a good person and get into heaven. It's not enough just to be good according to the world's standards. Because that's the, the most, that's the thing I hear all the time from the youth of this generation. You ask him, do you believe in heaven and hell? Absolutely. You think you're going to heaven? Yeah. Why are you going to heaven? Because I'm a good person. They've bought into a lie. All I got to do is just be good. I don't have to believe all that other stuff. 
I don't have to actually practice being a Christian or a disciple of Christ. I'm just good. Close enough. You know, I, I help out some needy people and different stuff. Recognizing, adoring him. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins. They confessing up in this prayer. All about the max. And do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Okay? They're doing all these different parts before they ever get down, before they're really asking, seeking the Lord for what he is trying to do in their lives. Look at this. It says, when we surrender to God's will, he supplies what we need to accomplish it. You realize God has a will? And we all have wills. No, not that thing that you make out for your children when you pass away. Okay? Like, I have certain things I want to do. My wife may not agree that I need to do those things. But there's certain things I want to do, right? On a day-to-day basis, on a week-to-week basis, on a month-to-month basis, on a year-to-year basis. Like, I have a will. I have a desire to do certain things. And urging. I want to do this or that or whatever. And I have to come into agreement with my wife because we're equals. How much more so do I have to come into agreement with someone that's higher than me? That's right. If I'm going to call myself a Christian, I can have a will all day long, but if it's not in agreement with his, I'm not doing it right. And I'm never going to accomplish what I'm supposed to. I love what it said about David. You know, David, we're typically like, David is a great story in the Bible. I mean, he did it, he did it all kinds of backwards, right? But then it talks about when he died that he was a man after God's own heart. And it also says this, when David accomplished what he was supposed to in his generation, he died. You can put that on my tombstone if you want to. If that's all that's ever said about me. I accomplished what I was supposed to do in my generation, and then I died. Because there's a lot of times that I've got it wrong. More often than not, I've been like, missed that one. I just want to be in his will. That's how we come into supplication. Our requests are according to his will. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we could get the perfected version of heaven here on earth, we wouldn't have to worry about everything else, right? Now, good luck getting all these 8 billion people on the planet all on the same page. It's hard enough to get three or four. Heck, it's hard enough to get everybody in this building right now on the same page. Honest, because we all think we know better. That's my number one fight with God. It's not, you know, this, that, and the other, but it's like, well, God, let me tell you, this is the way I think it should be done. This is, and I'll start trying to prove my case out. Anybody ever done that with God? Let me tell you, God, why I think it should be this way. I've been on this world for 35 years, and I know something. I created it all. Are you dumb? You know? So here's, here's what I look at. Okay. Five P's 
of, a, of what I'm calling supplication prayers. And I just know there's more out there, but you know, we're pastors. We've got to make these things clever, so you'll hopefully remember them. Here's the first one. The person. This is probably the number one most important thing as a Christian, is understanding the personhood of God. And yet it's the one we usually get to the last. To talk, like I was telling y'all, I had such a passion when I got saved, but I didn't have a clue how to do it. Because I didn't really understand who this person was that I got saved with, that brought me out of all that. Like, I started to get the rules and regulations. Church is like, all right now, you can't smoke or chew or go with girls who do. You can't go to the dances anymore because, oh Lord, that's against the Lord. And they, start, they start handing me this list. You know, and there's things in the Bible that are that way. Like, here's the Ten Commandments. It's a list of don'ts, you know. I don't need another task manager. Okay? I can get that on my computer. Control, I'll delete. You hit it twice, it turns your computer off, in case y'all wanted to know. I don't need that. I need a person. And I need to understand that person. When you're intimate with him, when you adore him, whenever you're full on in conversation with him, I don't have to wonder about my requests. When I make the request, I'm like, I already understand who God is. Let let me put it to you this way. Rowan, come up here. You don't know who my son is, Rowan. This is my seven-year-old. My my youngest, I figured he was going to follow him up here. Hold that for me. Okay. Let me ask you a question, Rowan. This would be a really easy answer. If you get it wrong, I'll beat you later. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. At what age can you date? 16. Why? Because that's when you get money and you have your car license. That's right. He understands the person that me and my wife have set up. It's not just a principle. Okay? And I teach this to the youth students. I don't believe in dating before you're 16. 100%. You can say you're dating somebody if you want to, but it ain't real. Because the principle in the Bible, if you ain't paying for it, you ain't on a date. Mommy and daddy paid for it. They're on a date, essentially. If you ain't driving her there and picking her up, you ain't on a date. Hey, you want to go to the movies with me? Our parents will pick us up and drop us off. You ain't a man. You a boy still. Just being honest. When my son turns 16, he will make a request to me. Whatever that looks like, because he'll know that I've already set up in my personhood, in, in this relationship, that this is the rule. This is how it operates. Then you can make the request, may I date whoever? And there will be stipulations behind that. You can be seated, Rob. Thank you. Y'all understand? Give me class. Y'all understand the same thing happens with us when we pray. When we begin to understand the personhood and the principles of who God is, he's like, okay, now make a request. We've gone through adoration, confession, and and thanksgiving, and you've read the word, and you've, you've done these different things of understanding who the Father is. That's why there's a lot more grace when you're a younger Christian, because you don't know no better. But as you mature in Christ, you understand who he is, and you're like, that request doesn't even make any sense. There's no reason for me to even ask that. 
Do I want to be a millionaire? Yeah. Anybody not want to be a millionaire in here or a billionaire or a trillionaire? Okay, I'd love to be just rich. Now, do I go to God in my supplication times and be like, Lord, make me a millionaire, please? Most of the time, no. I say, Lord, please, please, I'm asking you, give me whatever I need to expand the kingdom. Because that's, that's who his personhood is. I know that about him. Second P, program. Maybe we need to use a different word here. Okay. But you ever been in a play? Or you've been to an event and they hand you that little thing and it's like, here's the program. Like this is how things are going to operate. This is the list of things that are going to go down. When we make a request, don't be surprised if God hands you a program. Talking about those steps. He's like, okay, we can make that happen. Let me show you how. What's the cliche phrase? Don't pray for patience. Because you don't just magically grow patience. He's going to be like, okay, here's the program of how to get patience. You pray for certain things. Sometimes it just happens. You know, I've heard those things. I've seen those things when God's like, I got you. Cha-ching. Whatever it may be. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's life. Sometimes it's, it's you know, blessing. Sometimes it's whatever. And other times God's like, all right, now let me walk you through this. Let me show you the steps on how to get to what you want. I'm not just going to hand it to you. You see, when my four-year-old asks me for something, if I know he can't do it, guess who's going to do it? I am. When my seven-year-old asks for the same thing that my four-year-old asks, he's going to be more responsible, more mature, more requirement on his ask. Because I know he can reach the light switch. I know he can get something out of the fridge. I know that he can... When you make a request, a supplication, God's going to say, okay, I got you. I have all the provision you need, but you're going to have to work for it a little sometimes. You're going to have to do your part. I like to call these the if-thens in the Bible. Lord does these all the time. He's like, if you will do this, then. We pray for our nation. We're like, Lord, please save our nation. Bring it back to you. And the scripture's already said it. If my people will humble themselves and pray. Right? We've got to get with the program. My brother, he was in the Marines. People would, you know, in the platoon and different stuff, they'd be like trying to do their own little thing. And he would look him in the eye a lot of times because he was the squad leader. He'd say, hey, get on my level. You're not doing what you need to do. Get on my level. Here's the thing. And I'm going to step on some toes right here. Hopefully not. But I'm sick and tired of us having to cater to someone who's not, let me rephrase this. Because here's what they teach our teachers now. You need to meet them where they're at. When did it become to where I've got to earn that child's respect for them to respect the teacher, whereas the teacher, you're just in the position that requires respect. Like when I, I was sent to school, my parents said, you respect your teachers as if I said it. Unless they're making you do something that is morally wrong or harmful to you, whatever they tell you to do, you do. And if you don't, when you get home, they're going to fix that little red wagon. Take you behind the woodshed. Okay? Like we knew. 
what was expected. We had to get with the program. But then my parents would stand up for us too. If a teacher had a problem with us and we were doing everything we were supposed to, they'd say, hey, are they a good student? Are they learning? Are they doing what they're supposed to do? Then what's the problem? Okay. Provision. Okay, we've understood the personhood. We've got the program. We've got the list, the operating instructions. Now we're looking for provision. Now I've told y'all before, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. Like, God will tell me to do certain things, and I'm like, Lord, I don't have that kind of money. He's like, I know. I'm like, well, it's your will for this to be done. He's like, yeah, that's right. It's my bill, and I'm going to take care of it. Yeah. Okay? Let me, let me tell you how I was called into ministry. Okay, I, I already kind of knew. I had these inklings and these different things, and I remember my youth pastor came to me after he'd already prayed over me. He's like, Wesley, I don't understand why you're not up here with the rest of them that, were, that are saying that they're called into ministry and we're praying over them. You need to be up there. And I'm like, hey, dude, you're crazy. You've lost your mind. And he comes to me. It's like April, and we're going on, they're supposed to be going on this mission trip in July. He's like, hey, you're supposed to go on this mission trip. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going on the mission trip. He's like, no, God, God told me that you're supposed to go. Okay, okay, fine. I'll appease you. I'll make you feel better about yourself faster. But, and so I'm like, all right, fine. So I go to my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, this is what they said we can do for me to raise those funds, you know? Because we didn't have Facebook back then. We just had MySpace. <laughs> had to pick who my top 10 friends were, make all the rest of them mad. And so I'm like, hey, this is how we can do it. And he's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Like, what do you mean, Daddy? They said all I got to do is write these letters and people send me money. My daddy don't believe in that. I don't know if y'all ever met my dad. He ain't going to do that. He he ain't asking for a handout. Go fund me, you might as well throw it in the trash if you ask him. Ain't going to happen. He said, if you're able to and you're willing to, this is what we're going to do if you want to go on this trip. He said, I'll give you the design. He gave me the program. Here they are, two designs. You got how much money in your piggy bank? I got this much. Take that money, we're going to Lowe's. We're going to buy some fence boards, some cured fence boards. And you're going to build birdhouses, and you're going to sell them. Guess what I did for the next four months? I built birdhouses, and I sold them. To go on a missions trip I didn't even want to go to. The Lord said, there's a way to provide for this. It's in his will. It was on the program. And I got there by building birdhouses to provide for the very thing that would solidify the calling of my life to ministry. My ask was pretty small because I didn't want to be there. But when I got there, then it changed because then the Lord started working on me. And my ass became, Lord, I will commit to you. But this is the way I want to do it. Lord, I'll be a businessman. You know I'm good at this. I'll make lots of money and give it to the kingdom. You can't argue God down. Two hours later, he won that contest. And so he begins to get us to provision. So when you ask something to Be careful what you ask for. He might put you to work. Sometimes God gives you a handout. Sometimes he gives you a hand up. Sometimes he gives you a work plan. 
Sometimes he'll heal you and send you back to work. It's a lot easier sitting on the couch. Just being honest. Like, I've worked hard in my life. There's things, places I've been that I didn't like. And the Lord's like, this is where you're supposed to be right now. I'll provide what you need provided right now in this step. Here's the fourth P to supplication prayers. A pardon. In that Lord's Prayer, it says, forgive. What does it say? I'll forgive your debts if you forgive those who have debts, right? Who have trespassed against you. This is a hard one to swallow because I want to be like, the Lord will forgive you every time. All I got to do is just ask for forgiveness and he'll forgive me. But then I'll hold resentment in my heart. Like that scripture is really saying like, you got a problem with someone else, you better go get that right first. Literally, there's other parts of the scripture says if you're at the altar praying for forgiveness and you realize in your mind or in your heart that you have unforgiveness or sin or bitterness against someone else, leave right then and there. Exit those doors. Get in your vehicle. Go find them and ask for forgiveness or forgive them. Now, that's up to them whether or not they do or not. All I got to do is the action. And then you'll be made right. I don't like that part of asking God for things. I got to get everyone else squared away because there's been some people that have done evil things to me in my life that have abused me physically, verbally, emotionally. I'm like, Lord, how, how can I forgive them? Don't you know what they did to me? Don't you know the kinds of years of, of torment that I've had in my spirit and my emotions and my mind that I can't get over, that this is a thorn in my side that I've even asked and prayed and requested you to get rid of? And it's all because of them, because they decided to be evil when I was an innocent young child. And he's like, yeah, I know. Forgive them. And then I'll forgive you of yours. That's a hard pill to swallow as a Christian. I want to be praying David prayers instead. Lord, Crush my enemies. Smash their heads upon the rocks. You know? I can relate to David. Like, let's go. Like, let's charge hell with a water pistol. Oorah. Simplify. Do or die. You know? We got this. We've got to be willing to forgive others. Give grace where grace is given. If we're going to ask for things, we're going to ask for for more of a life that's solidified in him. We've got to be willing to pardon others. We've got to be able to forgive everything else. The last P. My musician can come as we're closing this down. Protection. We all want protection. I want my children to be protected. Like, I'm so happy that it, about certain things that my kids don't know about because I've kept it away from them. But there's also certain things that I refuse to keep my kids in a bubble so long for that they have no clue how to handle it. When issues arise, I address them with my children. When there's questions, I spend the time to protect them in that. Because here's the, the reality of it. We all live in a fallen world. We live in a world to where things happen, bad things happen. They're going to happen because we live in a world of sin. 
but we want to have protection. And I pray for protection. I ask and I petition him. And when something else bad happens, I don't get mad at God. It's not my place. I'm like, Lord, brings you right back to the personhood of him. You're the king of kings and lord of lords. You know it all. You control it all. You, you are. Okay? Because first off, I know he didn't make that happen. Y'all understand there's enemies out there seeking to devour us. They want to steal, kill, and destroy us. There's, there's all those different things. And so I don't get mad at God. I don't have those ask of, dear Lord, why did you do this? I say, Lord, thank you for the time of protection. Thank you for the times that you've done these different things. I'm asking you to continue to protect me and my family in situation. I'm asking you to bring us in new light. Showing me. I love what Pastor Rife taught about on that Psalm 139. That it's not just enough to self-reflect. I'll self-reflect all the time. But any reflection that starts with me is logically just going to end right back with me. I can only think what I can think. I only have one perspective. I have a lens that I view the world through and I view myself through. You need science to back that up? You know you can't even hear yourself in the right tone of the West, as the rest of the world hears you because of the way your body's built? That's self-reflection, self-hearing. You hear yourself in a totally different key, literally. Like you ever listen to your voice on recording back and you're like, do I really sound like that? And so I want protection. I ask for it all the time. Our protection for the next generation starts with ask and request and petitions. We have to stop tearing down the next generation or the sons and the daughters. We were in intercessory prayer Tuesday night. I encourage you, come to the things that we have. It joins you to the family. We were talking about different things and praying over. We were having times of intercessory supplication. And we prayed over really just this service even. Now it talks about in the end days that God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. God's no respecter of person. He don't care whether you've got a PhD or you're an illiterate plumber. Matter of fact, most of the time he goes with the illiterate plumber. History shows us that. He doesn't care what platform you think you have. All he cares is how obedient you are to him, how in tune with him you are, how intimate you are with him. You want to grow in Christ? You get intimate with him. And then you know what to ask. You have the right supplication. You have the things you need. Because here's it. When we surrender to God's will, he supplies what we need to accomplish it. I can throw away with my will, my hopes, my dreams, my aspirations, and I can literally go, God, here's everything that you created me to be. I don't know how this particular gift right here works as a pastor. There's still things that I'm like, God, I know you built me and designed me like this. How does that work in this that you called me into? One day he'll reveal that to me. That's some of my asks, my supplications. He's like, if you'll stay with me, if you'll grow in me, if you'll increase in me, I'll show you how to use that as an influence, how to make an impact. I don't know what that looks like. I don't have to know what it looks like. He's like, just take that step. 
Just begin to prepare. Let me show you the plan. Get to know my personhood. We worry about so many different things. I know as a pastor, we're sometimes we're like, all right, what's the theme? What's the motivation? How are we going to get them here? What's that? And so many times I wonder if God's looking back and he's going, just grow in me and I'll show it to you. Stop being so anxious about all of the gears that need to move. The mundane. And let me make all that happen. Now, I'm not saying we go in without plans. Okay? Because I'm all about planning. If you know your pastor, he's all about planning. 100%. He'll have 18 fail-safes. But we've got to get into his will. And then he's going to begin to supply what we need. Sometimes we get things and we don't even know we need it yet. Like, think about that. There's people that have probably come in here and maybe you're like, I don't, I don't know, why am I here? Or you're at a workplace and you're like, why am I here? God's like, Let me, just, just stay right there just a second. I'm going to show you why I need you there. I'm going to show you what I need to do to accomplish something. So here's how we activate this. <clears throat> Number one, beginning today, for the next seven days, write down a prayer request each day. Whatever it is, that, that thing that's on your heart. And I want you to see this proven out. I do this in prayer journals all the time. Okay, the, the, the one I can remember the most is I prayed for my grandpa Lamar. I prayed for him for years as a child. You know, the, the prayers of a child, they're, they're awesome. Kids, don't ever lose that if you can. Y'all pray with such vigor, such belief. Like something happens as we mature. We're like, well, I've seen it happen. Uh, you know, they pray for something. It's, buddy, it's going to happen. Yeah. But pray for it and keep them close to you until you see them come. And here's the thing about these prayers. I've been in this long enough now to realize what I pray sometimes, what I ask, what I petition, what my supplication is. Sometimes my answered prayer I, I miss it sometimes because I don't realize that it, it looks a little different. I had a kid one time telling me a story after they grew up. They said, oh, I remember a time my, my parents, we were going to this mountain, and they said, man, are we going to go to the tippy-tippy top? And they're like, absolutely, we're going all the way to the top. So they drive up there, and they get out, and they walk, and they get out, and this... He said, I remember looking at him and going, but we're not at the tippy-tippy top. He said, no, no, we're at the top. See, in his mind, he had watched cartoons, the old Bugs Bunnies and stuff where they run up and they look like they're teetering on the very, the very little triangle tippy-tippy top. And to him, it didn't look like they were at the tippy-tippy top. His ask, his petition was, I want to go to the very, very top. I want to be just teetering on the, you know, like this little... And they're like, no, 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 we're standing on the top. And he's like, no, it doesn't look like the top. How many times do we ask a prayer and we're like, Lord, why haven't you done this yet? And he's like, it's right, right there. You're on the tippy top. It's the top. We're like, Lord, make me this. And he's like, I made you that. But it doesn't look like what you think it's supposed to look like because we've come up with an idea in our own mind. 
So how the scripture says, more than you can ask or imagine. My imagination has to line up with his thoughts and his processes. Think about it this way. We used to have fish in our house. We had a betta fish. That betta fish was in a little bitty bowl. And I don't know how this fish lived as long as it did because we would forget to feed it. You know, we left one time for a week on vacation and we're like, oops, sorry. Hope you make it. Come back and this thing's still kicking. I think sometimes we think we know things because we're in our little bubble world. Like, God, this is all that I know. And God just comes by and he's like, here's some flakes. Here's some flakes. We never know when, when the answer to prayer is coming. Like, I'm hungry. I've seen these things. They're moving around out there. Like, that's how I view us viewing God sometimes. Like, the fish doesn't know I'm a human. It hasn't come up with some grandiose name or scheme or whatever. The fish is just a fish. And it just knows there's this thing that comes by every once in a while. And these magical sprinkles come down. Right? Imagine the children of Israel in the desert. There's this manna. It just, just falls from the sky. And it provides for my daily need. So many times in our society, we want to think of it like, okay, okay, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Oh, can I store it? Can I keep it? Because our food, we can keep food for a long time in America. We got all these additives and all this different stuff that ain't healthy for us probably. What's the shelf life on that? What's the best by date? And I'm, I'm bad about it too. I'll throw some food away in a second if I think it's expired. You go to another country, they'll be like, ah, that's just a suggestion. Just eat it. You'll be all right. Instead of going, God, just, just give me what I need today. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have to be anxious about it. I don't have to, to worry what's coming next. God, you take care of the, the colors of the flowers of the fields. You take care of the sparrows. All of that happens out of your grandeur, your schemes, your operation. And yet I'm so worried about all this other different stuff. I'm asking and petitioning, requesting, and God's like, why are you so worried about all that stuff? It's just stuff. Like how many storage units do we have in just Baldwin County alone? Yes. Just stuff. We don't even need it. Like, I don't know. I might need it one day. Put it in that box and I'll pay for it. You know what I'm talking about? Like I, I can't feed that kid in Africa because I got to pay for this storage unit. That's the, mm, you go on a missions trip, it'll make you mad at Western society. You have to tame that back sometimes when you come back because you're like, you really needed that Starbucks, didn't you? I'm not saying I don't, I don't have nice things, I don't do things, but we've got to get perspective for the right ask, the right request when we have supplication to provide. Here's the second part of that. Kids, I want to make sure y'all are paying attention. Where's my kids at? You make sure your parents do this. Hold them to it. Make them accountable. Okay? Do this activation with your children. Allow them to create their own list of prayer requests. And watch them do it. The Lord used to work when I was a kid in some crazy ways. My mom tells, tells me stories and I'm like, I don't really remember that, but that's pretty cool. She's like, yeah, one time your brother, he had this wart on his hand and it wouldn't go away. We went to the doctor, they froze it, it came back. She's like, so I just had you come over there. I said, Wesley, come pray for your brother's finger. I'm like, well, I don't like my brother, he hits me. 
but I'll pray for him because Jesus is listening and he'll hear me. He woke up the next morning, that wart was laying in his bed next to him. Never came back. He heard the petition of a child, the ask for a simple thing. My sister, some of y'all have never even met my older sister. I don't think anybody in this room really has. She was born head to toe with eczema. Head to toe. My mom used to have to coat her down with hydrocortisone and Vaseline every night so just so she could go to sleep because she would just itch and scream and cry. Prayed for her. Two-thirds of it went away in a day. The rest of it, she's literally, she has a mark here, mark here, that's it. Of eczema that still exists. It's crazy. But it was in those simple asks. I, I, I can't even tell you all the things that I've seen happen in our family and in my life and different things that I'm just like, Lord, how, how can we forget? How can we not just say, Lord, we want you? It's everyday acts. This is not special prayer time acts. Every day. The scripture says, pray without ceasing. Now, if you're in the mindset of you just got to request stuff from God, it can be really hard to pray without ceasing. But when you begin to realize you can adore him, you can confess, you can give thanks, you can have supplication, you can pray all day long. Thank you, Lord, for this car I'm driving in. Thank you for my two beautiful boys who are in the back seat screaming at each other. I just give you praise and honor. Man, the goodness of creation. The sun coming up. The ability to breathe in and out. I don't remember who it was, and I think I've said this before. It was either A.W. Tozier or Smith Wigglesworth, but he said, I never go a, a day without praying more than seven minutes or having more than seven minutes apart between my prayers. He prayed without ceasing. It's constantly in communication with God. Constantly in that relationship. And it can look all kinds of different ways. Like me and my wife have communication constantly, especially now that we work together. Can't get rid of her. She comes to work with me. Or I go to work with her. I'm not really sure which way that goes. I can walk out of the room and she'll be like, where'd you go? And if I don't answer... She'll text me. You know, like everyday acts doesn't just happen in this building. The church does not happen in a building. The church is when we leave these four walls and we are part of the church. Begin to make those supplications for other people. Here's where I want to leave on this note. Since we, we were talking about children to make in their own list. Because I didn't really understand this concept for a long time. The authority of a believer and what it means. See, I have requests that I can pray over my own life. Things that I can, I can request God and he performs and does different things. And I have the authority as a believer for certain things. My children are one. Until they come into their own being of relationship with Christ... My authority as a believer extends to them that I can literally pray and God will fulfill requests in their lives because my authority extends to them. My faith 
extends to them. So I encourage you, pray for your children. Seek the request, but also find others. When you have things that happen at work or whatever, hey man, can I come to an agreement with you about that? Let's join our, our authority. And if maybe they're not even a believer, they'll just put their head down because that's what most people, most people will let you pray for them. Yeah. Like nine out of 10 people. Yeah. I've, I've seen Muslims, Hindus, they'll be like, oh yeah, you can pray for me, sure. They'll put their head down and, and they'll let you pray for them. They'll come into agreement with you over certain things. And I'm like, come on, God, you sneaking your way in there. You about to kick some other religious ideas out. You about to do something in their life. So every day, let's act on those things.